God, we love you and we give you praise this morning. God, our, uh, our hearts are here this morning and they are, they're willing and they are ready to hear from your word. God, would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds to hear from you in maybe a brand new way this morning? To hear this gospel in a way that we haven't connected with maybe before? God, our, our prayer this morning is that you would just, uh, you would have a word for each and every one of us. And God, I pray that as, as every, do every week, that you would speak through me. That the words that are coming out of my mouth would, would not be my words, but they would be your words for your people on your day. Because no one came here this morning to hear me speak, God. We all came to hear from you. God, I pray that you would uh, just help my nose to stop running this morning so I can speak clearly and openly this morning. How we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in uh, the final week of our gospel series this week. Uh, we're going to close it up this week as we kind of close out this whole idea of the gospel. What is this gospel? How, how does this gospel become part of our lives? How do we live according to this gospel? How does this gospel shape us and define us as people who, who claim Christ and who claim to follow Christ? How does this gospel work in our lives? And so we started this series off uh, uh, about four weeks ago now talking about the, the, the danger of spiritual deception. And, and I really asked you this question that week, are, which path are you on? We, we looked at Matthew chapter 7 and all these images in Matthew chapter 7 of, of uh, the, the, the sandy foundation and the foundation on the rock or the, the narrow path and the wide path. And we looked at all of these all of these pictures and said, which path are you on? And, and my hope that week was really that you would, uh, not, not to call anybody out, but it was that you would begin to really reflect and really think about which path am I on? Because if the answer is, man, I am on the right path, I am following God, I, I, am, I am serving God, I, I, am, I am right there, then amen to that. And may you through this series, I, I hope that you have found once again the joy of your salvation, the joy of Christ in you. And so I, I, I hope that is true. But if the answer was the other way, and if the answer was, you know, I think I might be on the wide path, then my, my hope and my prayer during this series that you would just run to God with open arms and understand that He is waiting for you with open arms, open wide back to you, that you would just begin to run to Him and begin to find joy in your salvation, begin to find Him again. And so that was week one. And, and in week two, we talked about what is this gospel that we believe? How can I put words to this gospel? And, and I gave you this this paragraph sentence that we that we walked over that this this just gracious God this creator God looked upon us as hopeless sinners and sent his son Jesus Christ God in the flesh to bear his wrath of sin on the cross and to to show the power over sin over the death and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that all who may believe that all who would have faith would be restored to God forever this is the gospel this is what we claim as truth. This is what this book here teaches us and tells us. This is the gospel. And then a couple weeks ago when we talked, we just talked about this whole idea of, of being born again. When we believe in this gospel, when we claim this gospel, and John chapter 3 says that we must be born again. Well, what does it mean to be born again? What happens when we are born again? And at, we just said that God, when we are born again, God reveals our need. He changes our heart and he transforms our lives. 
And it's this transformation that I actually want to focus on this morning. How does the gospel transform our lives? What is it about the gospel that is transformative to you and to me, where we look differently because of this gospel? How does the gospel transform our lives? And I want to camp out this morning in Colossians chapter 1. If you want to head there, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be starting at verse 24. There is one verse in here that I think is, is the transformational piece of the gospel. But we're going we're to read the whole thing and camp out in there. If you're reading one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 833. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 24. This is Paul speaking to, to a church in Corinth. I'm not sorry, not Corinth. Colossia. <laughs> Corinth would be the Corinthians. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to hear these seven words in the middle of this passage that Paul says. He says this, about this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I think if we can, this is the transformative piece of the gospel, that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. If we grasp this phrase, if we grasp this concept, I think we can, that can shape our lives as Christians. So I want to camp here for a little bit, and I want to unpack just this sentence, and I, I, just Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I want to start with where we should always start, with that very first word, Christ. Christ. And I want to just, I, I want to just, as we keep unpacking this, I want to just give us some, some characteristics, maybe, of of a transformed life, this transformed life that we began to talk about two weeks ago. What does this transformed life look like? And, and I think as we, as we unpack this, this, even just this beginning, Christ in you, Christ, that this, this transformed life is an empowered life. This transformed life is an empowered life. Paul has a lot to say about Christ, particularly in Colossians chapter 1 here. If you go back with me, there's, there's some characteristics here, and he's... He's, he's writing to a church, and he's, he's kind of combating some false teachings. And these false teachings are really meant to undermine the teachings about Christ. So Paul starts off this Colossians chapter 1. Well, we're kind of in the middle of Colossians chapter 1. And he paints this, this beautiful picture of Christ. And here's what he says in verse 15. He says that Christ is the image of God. Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all, over all creation. Christ is the image of God. Christ 
is going to reveal the character of God. He's going to reveal the love of God. He's going to reveal the grace of God. He's going to reveal the forgiveness of God. Christ reveals all of that because Christ is the image of the invisible God. Christ is the image of God. Verse 16 to 17, Christ is the author of creation. For in him all things were created. In him, in Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Speaking about Christ, he is the author of creation. You were created by Christ. And not only was Christ the creator, Christ is the creator. Christ is sustaining creation even as we speak right now. The only reason grass can grow in Fresno is because of Christ. The only reason any of creation is in existence today is because of Christ. Christ is the author of creation, and in him all things hold together. Verse 18, he keeps going, and he, Christ, is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. We are the body, Christ is the head. We are the, he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Verse 19 and 20, well, so there's three things. He's the image of God, the author of creation, he's the head of the church, and the last thing, he's the savior of the world. Verse 19 and 20, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ is the savior of the world. Not only did Christ create everything, but it is only through Christ and through his blood shed on the cross that anything that is created can be reconciled to God. This should be a reminder of you from three weeks ago when we talked about what this gospel is. Only through the blood of Christ. See, he is the savior of the world. This is the gospel. But the beauty of Colossians chapter 1 here is that, that things kind of get, he, Christ is not just near us. This, this Christ, who is the, the image of God, the author of creation, the, the, the head of the church, the Savior of the world, this Christ is not just near us. Instead, He is in us. Yeah, but this, this, this is the picture of Christ. And if this Christ is in us, then, man, we are empowered by this. Within each and every one of us, Jesus is here. Jesus the author of all creation, the sustainer of all things, is within us. And he is in us. This gospel allows us to live an empowered life. I, I want to focus this morning on those next two words, Christ in you. Christ in you. We're, we're talking about an empowered life, but we're also talking about an exchanged life. <coughs> A life that has been exchanged for Christ. There's an Old Testament picture of God. And it kind of continues into the New Testament for a little bit. Uh, think about this. In the Old Testament, God was with his people. You look at Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and you see Abraham, I will be with you. You keep going in Genesis and you get pictures of of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and God will be with 
them. In Exodus, you get to Moses, and Moses and Aaron, and God says, I will be with you. You get to Joshua, and God, don't be afraid, I'm going with you. And you get to Gideon, and David, and Solomon, and Jeremiah, and all throughout the Old Testament, you have this picture of God with his people. And even in the New Testament, Jesus is born, and what do they name Jesus? They name him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God is with us. And then you get to John chapter 13, and in John chapter 13, Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about, hey, I'm not going to be here very much longer. And in fact, it's better if I go, because if I go, then I'll be able to send the advocate, and, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. And we begin to see this transformation that not only is God with us, as has been true for forever and ever, but God is now, now in us. All right, this is the mystery that Paul is talking about in, 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 chapter, in chapter 1 here. To make, to make them, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Man, this is, this is just an, an, I think this is just an amazing picture. We see throughout the Old Testament that God is with his people. And then Paul begins to, and and even the Gospels begin to make this change, but Paul is really transparent about this change, that God is in you. And here's what happens when God is in you, is you, you give up all that you are in exchange for all that God is. And your life becomes an extension of the Holy Spirit. And the things that you begin to do in your life and the way that you begin to live your life is not you living, but instead it is Christ in you, living in and through you and allowing you to... Man, this is just such a, such a powerful thing here. I, I, I'm having a hard time explaining it this morning, to be honest. Because it is, it's, it's very empowering. It's an empowering life to know that the Spirit of God is within each and every one of us. The same Spirit of Christ who, who, who was there when the creation of everything was formed. Who knows the amount of hairs on your head, who, is, who knit you together in your mother's womb. The Spirit of this same God lives within each and every one of us. And we exchange all that we are for all that He is. It's an empowering life Amen. to live this gospel. But to do that, we, we exchange our life. We die to ourselves and we live for Christ. This is, Paul says this all throughout his letters. We, we die to ourselves that Christ might live in us. It's an empowered life. It's an exchanged life. And Christ in you. The second phrase is important as well. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What the the hope? Let's just stop there. Christ in you, the hope. That this life in Christ is more than just an empowered life. It's more than just an exchanged life. This life in Christ, as we as we live this gospel, it is a secure life. I, I want you to know this morning that you can be assured of your salvation this morning. 
the hope. I mean, even, even this, this one, chapter 1, verse 28, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, he's talking about Christ in you, but now, now we are fully mature in Christ. Now, that's, that sounds pretty secure there, but if you turn the page to chapter 3, verse, verse 3, it gets even better. For you died, remember this exchange we were just talking about, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ is in us also. Christ is in God. We can be assured of our salvation. And the basis of our assurance is not a moral lifestyle. It's not an intellectual knowledge. It's not church involvement. It's not having an active ministry. It's not just positive thinking. The, the basis for our assurance is the reality of Christ in us. This is the fruit that I was talking about a few weeks ago. When we talk about fruit, we talk about evidence of the work of Christ within you. Right? We can be assured of our salvation. Fruit is not just the works that I do for Christ. Fruit is the evidence of God's work within you. Amen. Man, do, you do you see the fruit? Are, are you believing in Him for your salvation? Are you abiding in Him? Are you living in obedience through the power of the Spirit at work within you? You can be assured, and it has nothing to do with earning it. It has nothing to do with, with external measures. It has everything to do with the power of Christ that is within you even in this moment. Amen. You can be assured. We have a, a secure life because of this gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. This gospel gives us a, a completed life. A completed life. I mean, even verse 28 in chapter 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 28, talks about being fully mature. Being fully mature in Christ. Verse 4 in chapter 3, right after what we just talked, for you died in your life, now hidden with Christ and God. He continues on in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If you go back to, uh, to Philippians, just the book right before Colossians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says this. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Right, you go fast forward a little bit. First John. First John chapter 3. Verse 2 says, Dear friends, now that we are children of God, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. And we have a hope of glory. We have this, this hope of, of at one being, being, having a completed life. I mean, this is the, the purpose, the end, the day when every tongue confess and every knee will bow. We will be complete in Christ. There will be no more sin. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. And we will be complete. 
We have this hope. We have this hope of an empowered, exchanged, secured, completed life. Why do we have this hope? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. Because God looked down on you and me as hopeless sinners and sent His Son, God in the flesh, to to bear His wrath on the cross and to show His power over sin and death through the resurrection so that all who might believe, that all who might have faith would be restored to Him forever. This is the gospel. Our life is transformed because of this gospel. It's the heart of who we are. It's how we live. This is our lifeblood. <coughs> My prayer this morning is that as, as we go out of this place, that we would live this gospel. We would claim this gospel. And we would live this transformed life. That we would go out knowing that we have an empowered life. That we are empowered because of the fact and the reality of Christ in us. That we would go out and we would know that not only are we empowered, but man, we are secured. Why are we secured? Because of Christ in us. And not only are we secured, but one day we have this hope of having this completed life when one day we will see God as He is and we will be like Him and there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. We will be complete in God. And it's this exchange life that we live that makes it possible. When we come to this point of saying, "I I can't do this on my own. There's nothing that I can do to get me any closer to the cross of Christ. Only through the grace, only through the blood of Jesus can this gospel be who I am. I started off this series just asking you which path are you on? And I want to just end it, and I want to ask you this question. Is the gospel your lifeblood? Is this gospel the core of who you are? That's my prayer. My prayer is that it is. I want you to just think about that and process that this week. Is this gospel my lifeblood? Is this gospel the core of who I am? Is this my reason for being? Is the, is, what is the gospel to me? And again, my hope and my prayer is that and we begin to live this transformed life because of the gospel. Let's pray. God, We love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Because of who you are and because of what you've done. God, we've spent the last month talking about this gospel that is at the core of who we are. This gospel that shapes everything that we do and everything that, every way that we live our life. God, God, my prayer this morning is that you would continue to use this gospel to shape and to teach 
and to guide and direct. God, would we live an empowered life? Would we live this life that is an exchanged life in which you live in and through us by the spirit that you have placed in us, God? Would we live this, would we understand that we have a secured life, God, that we can be assured of our salvation, that there's nothing that we can do, there's no amount of works, there's no amount of anything that we can do that would earn this salvation, God, we just know that we are secure in our faith because of the, of the reality of Christ in us. And God, may we always be looking towards the hope of glory, that completed moment when we get to, to see you face to face, to see you for who you are, God. God, help us to go out and live this life, to live this gospel and to make a difference because of this gospel. God, this gospel can transform our church. It can transform our city, our neighborhood. God, but would you use this gospel and would you use us as we live this gospel to be your hands and feet and to be your light in this community? May it be our lifeblood. God, we pray all of this in your name. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you stand with me this morning? Could you just hold your hands out and receive this blessing this morning? May this God, this creator God, this just and gracious God of all things, who looked on you as a hopeless sinner and sent his son to die for you, that you might be restored to him forever. May this same God go with you and go ahead of you this week. May you make a difference in your workplace, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your grocery stores, wherever you may find yourself. May he give you peace and love and grace to go ahead of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.